0: You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Storey and Jacob Morrison.
1: The time has come for America to hear the truth.
0: We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up
1: for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. One day longer, one day stronger, one day
0: the future of labor's rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it's sure it is not going to be decided on Fox News.
1: Solidarity forever, solid-
2: Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, October 17th, 2020, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, October 18th, 2020, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today we're talking to Paul Prescott about Trump's Anti-Worker Labor Board. We'll take your calls and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, we appreciate your time. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at laborreporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M. underscore A L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R A D I C L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search. YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So, to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to The Valley Labor Report. FM Slash Subscribe. And finally, if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the valley labor report. Listener support really goes a long way to making sure that uh, we're able to continue doing this program. So we really appreciate uh, the folks that are helping us out, donating a few dollars every month. Uh, It really helps. So um, today, like I said, we are talking to Paul Prescott. He is a public school teacher, the political liaison for the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, and a contributing editor for Jacobin Magazine. He wrote an article for Jacobin that was later republished in Labor Notes, where I read it, about the Trump Labor Board's anti-worker record, and he's here to talk to us about that today. Uh, So Paul, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Absolutely. So, um, like I was talking to you before we went on the air, a lot of folks don't re- they don't interact with the national labor relations board which is uh, the labor board um you know if you're not in a union a lot of times you don't really have a lot of contact with this body so i was wondering if before we start talking about your article if you could just walk us through what exactly is the national labor relations board
3: yeah so um the National Labor Relations Board, also called the NLRB. Uh, it was formed in uh, 1935. It was a subset of the National Labor Relations Act, also known as the Wagner Act. And that that basically was a law that really gave workers the right um, to organize in, in the major industries. So it's not a perfect analogy, but you could think of the NLRB as sort of like a mini Supreme Court for workers. Um, so they're you know, stated reason is to protect workers legally and and, um, help them assert the right to organize. And they basically adjudicate cases. So, you know, it matters for existing union union members, but actually, if anything, it matters more for non-union members who are looking to organize a union. So if you, let's say you worked in a Walmart and you uh, started trying to organize, if you got to the point of a union election, the NLRB would oversee that election
2: right okay so then the nlrb we can think about that like a separate court system for labor issues if you have an right. issue with your employer instead of taking them to like you know the appellate court or whatever you're gonna you're gonna file a complaint with the nlrb and they're gonna adjudicate those those matters right
3: okay. and, you know and, and again it's you know it's supposed to be something to help workers i mean it doesn't mean they're gonna automatically take the worker's side but generally in its For the 80 odd years has existed, the whole idea is that this is something that's supposed to protect workers. It
4: should be, it should at least be fair. It should at least be fair. Exactly.
2: Right. Yeah. It it should at least be fair. And, um, you know, like this, like you said, it's it's something that was uh, created um, to allow workers a fair place where they can come to adjudicate these places because as anybody in a workplace knows there's a huge power imbalance between an individual employee and an employer so uh, you know you're you're not going to be able to um, you know you just don't have as much power as an employee over your employer and so you know institutions like this are supposed to help even the playing field so with that as the kind of background Walk us through your article. What is it exactly that the Trump administration has done to change the the makeup of the NLRB and what has been the outcome of that. Uh, and, 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 and for folks who haven't read the article, which is going to be most of the people listening, it's on Labor Notes and Jacobin, and it's titled, Trump's Anti-Worker Labor Board. It is a really good article. He, he goes through a bunch of different cases that have been decided all against workers under the Trump NLRB and, um, and, and, and what he's been doing. So Paul, I'm going to let you just kind of lay, lay out your article for us.
3: Yeah. So, and, you know, just like the president can appoint the Supreme Court uh, people, you know, uh, presidents have control over the NRRB who gets put on that. And so right out of the gate, um, Trump appointed all pro management people. So usually, you know, you want to appoint people have some background in labor. They don't necessarily have to be a former union leader, but, you know, some background in labor law or representing workers. Um, it's all pro-management people, right off the bat, and it's also um, it's all Republicans on the board. There's one vacancy they won't appoint because they don't want a Democrat on it. Um, that's also usually does not happen. Um, so that's you know right off the bat, and um, right, and and know, I'll just kind
2: of underscore really yeah. quickly how unusual that is. Usually, what happens is the president. There are five people on the NLRB. Uh, usually, the president appoints three uh, three of his party. And then two of the opposing party, you know, so it's like two of the opposing party, but the president still picks it, right? So it's going to be two people from the opposing party that still kind of largely agree with the president, but still. But there's a vacancy here that Trump is just literally not, he's not even finding some corporate blue dog Democrat to fill this seat. He won't even find anybody with a D next to his name to, to do the performative thing here um, for just the institutional norms,
3: right yeah and, and again it's just just doesn't happen even under former republican presidents and you know there's no mistaking what's going on it's this is not a matter of oh the board isn't quite as good as he promised this is just like full-out attack and so you know the, the chamber of commerce recently they released they called it a wish list of the 10 priorities they have for labor law and this board in the matter of honestly less than four years they had already pursued all 10 items on the chamber of commerce's list some of them they've already achieved the rest of them are in progress so they're you know literally doing the bidding of the chamber of commerce which is opposed to labor and these are things that include stuff like delay in union elections um controlling how workers can communicate with each other about workplace issues and about um Establishing bargaining units, giving the employer the you know the ability to establish bargaining units for workers. Um, so it's really just been an all-out assault on labor, and they've they've gone so far even in just four years, they've overturned so many things yep. in a quick amount of time. Uh, I mean, I could start going into some of that if you like, some of the cases that they've been um, working on.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's let's do that. That would be great.
3: Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, on the one hand, they've really reversed. Past presidents, and um, I mean, even you know, during the Obama era, Obama was not, in my opinion, some huge champion of labor. But there were some decent things done on a labor board. So one of them had to do with establishing bargaining units. So it was generally accepted, and there was a ruling in 2011. This case called Specialty Healthcare. You know, workers have the ability to determine their bargaining union. Um, So which workers are in the union? And to give you an example, I'm in the teachers union. But for example. The school counselors in are in the same union, but they have a separate bargaining unit. So like, you know, they have different issues that pertain to them. Same thing with school nurses. We're all in the same union, but they have a different salary scale, different specific issues. And, you know, workers, obviously, if you're working on the job, you understand what bargaining units make sense. So one of the first things this new board did was overturn uh, that decision and basically give the employer the ability to determine the bargaining unit. And I'll give you an example of why this matters a concrete case. So in 2018, there was a Boeing plant in South Carolina. So 178 workers voted to join a union. They wanted a union. Um, So Boeing refused to bargain with them, claiming that the bargaining units um, were not valid. And the NLRB basically ruled in their Boeing's favor. And so those 178 workers who voted for a union, they already expressed they want one, cannot get one, because the employer was allowed to say, well, no, it doesn't make sense in a bargaining unit. And so again, this, if anything, this these laws actually hurt non-union workers more. Because if you're already in a union, um, I mean, there's things that definitely affect you, but um, it's really hurting new worker organizing, and that's what needs to happen. And I mean, just as a quick point, again, if, if people who listen are not already convinced of this, I mean, there's one graph that really says it all, why unions are important, it shows union density on one axis and then inequality on the other and it's it's clear as day as unions decline economic inequality gets worse people's wages go down or stagnate you know it's just like you, you can't even really argue with it um and to give it another example so it's generally been accepted that in the past uh union organizers can go on public areas of employers property to talk to workers because again i mean how else are you going to Start to actually um, communicate with workers, so they've introduced a slew of rulings that have now banned that. Um, one big example is uh, with nurses and hospitals, and nurses are actually the fastest growing sector of you know new unionizing workers. Um, so they passed a law that, like in a public hospital in their cafeteria, which is a public area, a union organizer cannot go there to speak to a nurse who's on their shift break. Um, And, you know, if they can't do that, it's not like you can go while they're working. So um, there's also been other things where, you know, they'll allow like the Salvation Army or something like that to solicit. But, you know, a union organizer cannot even go anywhere near a public place of an employer's property to talk to workers. Right.
2: And Um, that is that is so uh, I mean, it's so hypocritical, especially in light of the Twitter censorship uh, discourse that is happening on the right right now you've got Kaylee McEnany saying that this is so un-American the way that Twitter is doing its <laughs> censorship and their labor board is going out and saying people can't talk to each other we're going to talk about that more on the other side stay tuned
0: you're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison
2: the attorneys at Maples Tucker and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. But the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms.
4: All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888 We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, healthcare, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, Call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or
2: organize at
4: IAMAW44.org.
2: Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880.
5: Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or well, tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcasts. And good Lord William, the creek don't rise. We'll see you all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. WVNN.
2: Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. Uh, My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. On the line we have Paul Prescott, a public school teacher, political liaison for the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, and a contributing editor for Jacobin Magazine. We're talking about his most recent piece that was published in Jacobin and Labor Notes about Trump's NLRB's, uh, the Trump NLRB's anti-worker record. And uh, the last case that we were talking about is a case that um it it, it it forbid union organizers from talking to workers in public spaces on their breaks, like for example, uh, in a hospital cafeteria. And this is just <laughs> I mean, it's so especially in, in in the current moment that we are in after these, hunter biden drops and and the and, and twitter not letting people um not letting people share that on on twitter and the the republican party the whole republican party apparatus including the trump administration going crazy saying that this is censorship this is america this isn't communist you know russia or china we're supposed to be able to speak to each other we're supposed to have free speech that's what america is all about in this moment they are forbidding workers from talking to people that will help them get better wages and working conditions and not even like not not even any anything there it's not It's just conversations. They are forbidding conversations. They are sent literally the government. This is what the first amendment is about, right? The first amendment is not about protecting your speech from private institutions. In fact, uh, uh, private institutions being able to censor people's speech is a very capitalist thing. That is what capitalism does, is it, allowed, it allows owners and bosses to police the speech of workers and citizens. What the First Amendment is supposed to do is it is supposed to protect our ability to communicate with each other from the government. This is the government telling people that they cannot speak to each other. And so I'll let you I'll let you go off on David was there you looked it looked like there was something you were about to say there. Yeah, that was pretty much exactly what I was about to say.
4: <laughs> you know, this is it's a it's a constitutional issue as much as it is a worker issue and the fact that freedom of assembly and freedom of speech are are, are being suppressed through government action.
3: So yeah. Yeah, I, and that's that's such an important point. And, you know, and I'll put my cards on the table. I mean, if it's not obvious now, you know, I'm uh, pretty far to the left. And I actually agree that that what Twitter does was censorship and actually unacceptable. You know, I think
4: yeah, I agree I, with you it, know, with I don't that. like
3: Trump, but I, I thought yeah. what that what they're doing is scary because, you know, they could use it for against any side. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in many ways, what this labor board is doing is like. It's a straight up Big Brother authoritarianism. Um, I
2: mean, it literally really, is. Like that's yeah. actually what Orwell was trying to tell us about was was government overreach in the uh, you know like Big Brother censorship type stuff. And that the critique of private institutions, private ins- private censorship, that is a left critique. And and David and myself, and it, and it sounds like you as well. We are not in favor of Twitter and Facebook. And these, uh, you know, like like these uh, uh, corporate oligarchs being able to control our thoughts. But that is not a capitalist idea. That is not a conservative idea. That is a left idea.
3: Right. And to give just a few more examples, I mean, their rulings related to worker health and safety with covid are, are yeah. really terrible. Yeah. So, um you know they've instructed their regional board directors to basically not hear cases over occupational safety and health so if a worker feels they're in danger because of the pandemic you know they're not even going to hear that case they also said you know if you can't go that route as a worker if you want to let's say try to go to the media because that might be your last option they even ruled that is not protected speech so you as a worker if you are in an unsafe workplace whether it's COVID or anything else you could literally be fired we're speaking out against that um i mean it doesn't get any worse than that and even you know there's a ruling related to walmart you know uh often when unions are organizing they do some people call them structure tests so it's like let's see if we can get every worker to wear a union pin on a certain day to demonstrate their support um they rule that you know you can only wear a pin of a certain size it has to be small enough you know you can't wear shirts that say anything about a union and i mean the bs excuse they said was this would enhance the shopper's experience as if you know if you're a shopper and you see someone with a union pin that's gonna you know dissuade you from from uh, buying stuff which of course is just ridiculous but mm-hmm. again it's down to what you say down to the clothes you wear down to what you do i mean they're trying to control every aspect of a worker's life and and, and again it's very clear why because you know profits have been at um I mean, we've never seen profits from any companies at this level. And even during the pandemic, I mean, I'm sure people have seen that Amazon has been doubling their profits yeah, due to the pandemic. Um, and they don't want workers getting any sort of slice into that. Um, and so they're taking this opportunity to really just take the law as far as they can go. And they've been using this board to do it. But I think it's it's absolutely right to see this as a free speech, first amendment issue.
4: Yep. And a lot of uh, here's the problem: we're, who we're broadcasting to has probably very little clue of the NLRB, and it's not just the general public. Even my members out on the shop yeah. floor are constantly asking, "Why are we taking losses where we wouldn't have taken losses in the past?" And and I've got a lot of Trump supporters where I work, and it is so difficult to get them to understand. That these appointees, and it's not just appointees to the labor board, but even the council. You know, I pointed out the other week with Jacob, even the council that was appointed to the labor board came from the Reagan era. He was mm-hmm. the the primary leader of breaking the PATCO strike. Uh, everything that this administration has done with organized labor has been to decimate it. They are not friends of the workers by no stretch of the imagination.
3: Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's really why I wanted to get this piece out there because, and you know, and I'll, I'll say this, I give Trump credit for in 2016, he did talk about workers a lot and mm-hmm. I was, you know, banging my head against the wall because I'm saying, why aren't the Democrats yeah, reaching out to exactly. workers in this yeah. way? But, you know, we, and you know, and I'll be totally honest. I, uh, Biden has plenty of issues. I don't see him as this great champion of workers, but I've been telling people almost in a way, I'm almost like a single issue voter this election, purely alone Mm -hmm. on the NLRB. Biden's not gonna be a champion of workers, but he will appoint much better people. And this really has an impact on the future. And I'll go into one area if I can, but um, a huge issue for the labor movement that we need to figure out is this issue of independent contractors. So when yeah, you're an I mean, independent yeah. contractor, the National Labor Relations Act does not apply to you. So that means you can't organize a union. Traditional labor law does not apply. And the Department of Labor has estimated that over 30 percent of companies misclassify workers on purpose um, to get around labor law. Right. Um, Paul, we're going
2: to have to, uh, we're coming up on a break. We're going to have to bring you in on the other side. Uh, We're going to bring you in for one more segment, if that's all right. Uh, And and we're going to talk about uh, worker misclassification uh, as independent contractors, which, like you said, is a very, very big problem. And the Trump and LRB is not going to do anything for workers that are being misclassified. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more about that on the other side. This is the Valley Labor Report.
0: Huntsville's number one news talk and weather station WVNN F WvNN FM Trinity a cumulus station it's 10 o'clock
5: hey y'all are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks or well, tune in to Dixie land of the proletariat podcast we talk about southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective join Nelson senior telecommunications director Tommy Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and brother William. Wherever you stream your podcast, and good Lord, william the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the proletariat, y'all.
0: This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. A long-haired preachers
3: come out every night. I try to tell you what's wrong All and what's right. All right, folks.
2: Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Storey. We are we uh, We've got on the line Paul Prescott. He's talking about his most recent piece that was published in Jacobin and Labor Notes about Trump's anti-worker National Labor Relations Board. Uh, so, Paul, when we left off, you were talking about worker misclassification. Uh, can you kind of uh, uh, bring us up to speed on that and what the NLRB has been doing there?
3: Yeah. So again, like uh, when you're when you're classified as an independent contractor, traditional labor law does not apply to you. And that includes the right to form a union. And the Department of Labor has estimated that over 30 percent of companies are misclassifying workers to get around labor law. And this is a huge issue. I mean, to remain one example, Amazon, I have a friend who uh, working as a, a delivery person, they've contracted out the work. And this is, you know, really grueling, but backbreaking work. and can't form a union, even though he wants one. Um, so the NRB has ruled that even if they find that a company is misclassifying deliberately for the sole reason of avoiding a union, it's basically it's not against the law. They can do that, and there's no penalty. Um, and in a specific case, um, they basically ruled in 2019 around um, Uber drivers, and have you know determined that these Uber drivers um, who took it to the board. They are independent contractors and of course that's a huge portion of the economy that's growing and many of those drivers if you know about it when you start out you kind of get these bonuses and incentives but as time goes on so many of these uber and lyft drivers are realizing oh crap like i'm i can't pay for this car like i'm not making enough money so a lot of them are starting to push to organize and the board is directly intervening against them um, so again i think independent contracting is actually priority number one for the labor movement because Mm -hmm. this, if we can figure this out and stop companies misclassifying, we can grow the labor movement and improve union density. Um, And again, this board is really trying to stop that.
4: Not only, yeah, not only grow the union density through these independent contractors, but also what a lot of people don't recognize is these are first steps. and, And nothing that ever happens at the the legislative level is ever uh, something that they're trying to immediately take care of. This is the long-term game, in my opinion, to start moving independent contractors. You'll start seeing them more in the the public sphere as far as teachers and things like this goes. They'll start Mm -hmm. classifying teachers as independent contractors, and then they'll start moving it into the private sector to the point to where you're basically just working for you're your hired guns. You're working for a mm-hmm, wage right. and you have no protections whatsoever. That is the long game, in my opinion, of what of what the the administration, not just the administration, because it's really the money back in the administration. Mm-hmm. is who's making these calls?
2: Yeah, and then and 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 that it it. it the fact that the NLRB is going to these even if they are like even if let's say they're not misclassified let's say that they legitimately are independent contractors and they want to be independent contractors and that's how that's like the ideal situation for them. The NLRB is still telling these people that they can't have a union and here we are back to a first amendment freedom of association uh, issue. Like, they're tell, this is the government telling people that they can't form associations with folks that they want to form associations with. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And where, where are we going to have these originalist, textualist judges on this? Yeah. Are they going to side on the side of workers being able to associate and organize and speak to each other? No. No, they're AWOL on that. Oh they're not AWOL They're not AWOL (laughs) They're
4: there They're attacking it
2: Right Right Yeah
4: So Paul uh, I had I was I I read your article Earlier in the week When Jacob sent it to me I read it again This morning Kind of Before we started But then uh, I noticed you were A history teacher Up there in Philadelphia And and that kind of Got me thinking Uh, We talk about it Constantly on this show It's kind of away From the NLRB article But What 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 is it we have to do to get more labor history taught, in at the high school level? That's something that's so sorely missing these days. Uh, you know, you talk to any high school t- uh, student, and they there's so there's so much history around the labor movement and and mm-hmm. uh, us being consistently attacked and killed, but nobody ever talks about
1: it.
3: Right. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, there's no easy answer. I mean, I think part of it is a product of the, just the fact that union density has declined. So, you know, just less and less people even think about it. Even teachers that aren't necessarily opposed to a union. Um, but I think the more that you see these iconic labor fights, like for example, the Red for Ed movement of 2018, right. where you saw all the West Virginia teachers go on strike. I think that kind of awakens in people a curiosity. Um, and you know, even people in West Virginia talked about, yeah, like you know, I come from uh, a long tradition of union people in West Virginia going back to the to the coal miners. So I think you know, it's kind of, I think there's yeah, there's plenty of things we could do in the curriculum level. Like I'm involved as a social studies teacher teaching this history and trying to get others to. But I think it's it kind of goes back to labor gaining more power in society, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, at the intro of the show, I heard the speaker saying, you know we're not going to change things just through the courts and i actually do believe that you know it's very possible that you can get around bad labor law through having enough power Uh, one Mm -hmm. example is that you know it used to be a law that public sector workers like teachers cannot strike and cannot form a union and they actually changed that by striking and breaking the law in the 60s and if everyone does it there's nothing they can do so well the red
2: for ed strike in west virginia in 2018 that you just mentioned it was illegal
3: yeah they're all right And, and that's the thing. And so I want, you know, the obviously, I just wrote this whole article on the law. The law is important, um, but just people should realize it's not going to just be about getting p- better people on the right. board. That is important. Right. It absolutely is important. But um, it's also about, again, building our power in society. But the importance of the law is that overturning some of these laws will actually allow us to grow as a union movement. And we have this opportunity because the latest polls are showing highest approval rating of unions in a very long time and more and more americans saying they want a union it's it's not a mystery i mean people are really hurting especially now with the economic crisis and what do unions do i mean the main thing they do is improve wages and benefits and give you a voice at work so that's no surprise that more americans want unions um and so yeah our our task is to keep building that movement and i think as that happens more people are going to look to the history um, to, to learn more about it.
1: Yeah.
2: I sure hope so. I sure hope so, because it, it, it's incredibly important. You know, like when I was in, uh, I learned some about some of the big strikes, some of the big labor folks, but ultimately, the impression that I came away with in high school was that this was just the natural order of things, and that right. it was at least as much, you know, the way that I learned about the, um, about workers getting higher wages um in the forties and fifties was that uh, Ford was like, oh, I want people to be able to buy my yeah. cars. Yeah. And right, right. you Which know, that was absolute you yeah. know, falsehood, but it sounds yeah. good. <laughs> that it was, good. that was what I that's how I was taught that we got higher wages, better working conditions and like a weekend. And, and it, it's just, it was the benevolence of the bosses. Yeah. And we know that that's not true. Us in the labor movement, we know that that's not true and people who really study history know that that's not true. And so I hope that you know more folks like, more folks like you can get out there and, 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 and be teaching um, the real history of, of the 20th century and how we won the things that we won uh, because they did not come to us from the benevolence of the boss, from the good graces of the politicians, even the better politicians. They had to be forced uh, to to do these things for working people.
4: Well, so. I mean, and, and you know, the old saying, "History repeats itself," mm-hmm. and you know, we're precariously close to be, you know, to history repeating itself again. Yeah, there's no doubt that w- worker to a CEO pay pay gap is where it was before, right at the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. We are right there on the verge of this, the, of reliving this entire thing again and people are getting antsy people are taken to the streets for those reasons and and a lot of it's because they don't know the history they they don't know the history of of the labor movement in general
3: and i think it's similar to the 30s we're at this fork in the road like this could either go in the direction of fascism like it did in germany or Mm -hmm. something like the new deal where unions grew and Social security and high employment and, you know, we, and we can even do better than the New Deal now. But we're kind of at this choice. Like, are we going to go down the road of fascism or, yeah. you know, rebuild a society for working people?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I hope I sure hope that we take the latter. Um, so uh, uh, we've got a couple more minutes here before we oh, wrap really up nice. this segment. Paul, have you got any uh, any any uh, parting thoughts for us on, on this article or, or the importance of the NLRB or this election or anything else? Or tell people where they yeah, can find well,
3: you. Again, I, I don't know who exactly is listening uh, to the show in terms of their political views, but I've just urged people, you know, if you're a Trump supporter or you know people who are, you know, to really... Like one thing that has bothered me is this stuff, with the culture wars and like, mm-hmm. we get so easily divided. And again, to be fair, Democrats and Republicans do it. Yeah. Um, yep. And yep. Trump plays on that all the time, but we need to be laser focused on really the bigger picture. And I think if more and more working class people, we come to them with this message, we can convince them that Trump is not in your interests. Um, so I would just urge people, you know, to not get bogged down in these culture wars or wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask. I mean, ultimately what matters more that or the fact that, you know, you should have the right to get a higher wage and, and good benefits. Um, and to really look at Trump, have a sober look like, again, don't, it's easy to get distracted by his tweets. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really care about his tweets, even if they're ridiculous. I care about what are the laws he's helping to put in place. And it's just very clear. He's on the side of the employer, the rich Mm -hmm. who have been driving this country into decline for the last 40, 50 years. Um, and so your vote should be based on that. And, you know, I'm not saying the promised land is going to come with Biden. We got to keep fighting. But this is just one step in trying to build back the labor movement.
2: Right. For working people, the question is, who do you want to be your enemy? Yeah. Do you want to be fighting Biden or do you want to be fighting right. Trump?
4: Where can people find you at, Paul? We got about, uh, well, about 10 seconds left.
3: Sorry, what was the question? Where can you find me? Where, yeah. yeah. Um, do you? jacobin magazine paul Prescott. there's a list of plenty of other articles i've written with late okay. on labor
2: all right paul thanks for joining right. us we really enjoyed the conversation and like he said you can find a bunch of his articles at jacobin magazine uh, jacobinmag.com uh thanks for listening uh thanks for joining us paul we really appreciate it
0: You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob
2: Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims, When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. But the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air. If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project, or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from Roofing, to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 334. that's two five six three eight three 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 four or via email at local four seven seven at bell dot net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the valley labor report
0: where alabama talks wvnn depend on it
2: Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co host David Story. Uh, We just wrapped up talking to Paul Prescott. He is a public school teacher, the political liaison for the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, and a contributing editor. For Jacobin Magazine. We talked to him about his most recent article that was published both in Jacobin and Labor Notes on Trump's anti-worker NLRB record. If you want to go back and watch that interview because you missed it, you can search YouTube for the Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. Go back and watch it on the stream and our um, we'll probably have that interview cut up and, and posted as a standalone video here in the next week or two. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation. He, he really knew what he was talking about, uh, really kind of laid it all out really clearly, uh, what's happening with the labor board. Yeah,
4: it was an excellent conversation. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. biggest takeaway, for me anyways, is don't listen to what somebody tells you they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Watch what they right. do. And that's something that we preach constantly is holding... Your elected officials accountable, uh, you know. But in order to hold them accountable, you need to understand what they're doing in the background that affects your everyday right. living. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's 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 real simple. There, mm-hmm. you can ask people that deal with the arbitrations every day, and they'll tell you our, our union is has gotten to the point where we are scared to take anything to arbitration because mm-hmm. it's a, it's almost a guaranteed loser constantly. Right. Whether whether it's a good a good case can be made, or not. They're right. just going to rule against you one way or the other. Right,
2: right. Um, so we've got some folks that are supporting the show that we haven't recorded ads for. So uh, David, have you got your? Yeah. Uh, you, tell us about uh, Punta, Punta Cana. Punta
4: Cana. This is a this is a Dominican uh, good friend of mine from uh, Dominican Republic. It is a first generation a gentleman that came over here he's working he's actually an engineer but he his family does a little restaurant there in madison called Punicana restaurant unbelievably good food excellent prices excellent service you can't go wrong stop by there and give them a try he's brought some food to work for us several times and It's just absolutely knock out good food uh, at at real reasonable prices. And you also know that you're supporting someone that's out there just working itself to death, trying to live the American dream. And, you know, that that it's not corporate owned Ruby. Well, I'm not going to say any names on the radio. (laughs) We'll just say it's not corporate owned. You know, Mm. if you this is where you need to be. This is what we preach constantly is supporting each other through through your uh, through your purchases and this is a good kid he's he's working he's working hard and the but the biggest takeaway is the food is excellent stop by there tell them we sent you uh, and and pick up something it's like eight nine bucks for a full meal and you're wow. talking about
2: excellent excellent food yeah that is really good and that's at uh, three zero zero nine eight Andrea Lane in Madison yep 30098 Andrea Lane in Madison. Uh, So make sure you stop by Punta Cana Restaurant and let them know that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. Um, While we're doing kind of PSAs we have a really, we're really excited about this. Our show on November the 7th is going to be a remote uh, we're, we're going to be on location in the pipe fitters in the parking lot of the pipe fitters Union Hall in Madison uh, and we are going to be um, we're going to be inviting we have invited all of the local labor unions to come and set up a tent and or, or a booth or, or you know one of them uh, uh, set up something where they can um, you know Educate people about the work that their union is doing. Uh, we're going to interview a bunch of rank-and-file union members and elected officers of unions, so they can uh, tell our audience what's going on in their unions. And also, if you are just a member of the public and uh, you you know you're a listener of the show, you've never met any of us, you've never met any union folks, you don't know you know you, you know you don't know much about the labor movement or how to get involved, how to form a union in your workplace, or what unions you could form. In your work you know like come out and uh meet us we're gonna have some coffee and donuts in the morning uh brother david is gonna be smoking some chicken a half for lunch mm. and he is a fantastic cook mm. i uh you know y'all haven't had his cooking but i have and it is really 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 good uh it's, it's gonna amazing. be a lot of fun though it's gonna I mean, be a lot of fun out. yeah Get on the radio.
4: We've got, you mm-hmm. know, we've had people call in that wanted to discuss different ideas. Come yeah. out and discuss them with us. It's someplace where we're not confined to just a few minutes where we can have a discussion mm-hmm. on the radio. We can we yeah. can have an in-depth discussion over what's best for the workers.
2: Yeah, and then after, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to keep going after we go off the air on WVNN. We're going to keep the stream going for probably an hour or two however. Yeah, yeah, until we get bored. We're just gonna keep talking to folks until we get bored coming. Or people quit coming. it be an all day event. Yeah, it's yeah, we're gonna be out there by nine o'clock, and we're gonna probably stay out there till at least, I don't know, one or two or something. And And believe
4: it or not, there's a lot. You don't you don't just have to form a union in your workplace. If you're Mm -hmm. if you're in the trades, there's a lot of trades right now that are just absolutely dying for workers you know the iron workers Mm 477 over in florence they're constantly looking for for good workers that can that that know their trade and can Mm -hmm. can hone hone their skills in a in a quality uh workmanship right craftsmanship they're constantly looking for ibw 558 Mm there you know over at the toyota mazda plant it's all union work over there
2: yeah 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of unions that are hiring i believe that your uh your local is uh the the employer that that y'all rep uh, y'all represent workers at they're hiring um so they're even if you you know you're unemployed uh you, you might could treat that this as a job fair even and get, you know, not just some uh, corporate non-union <laughs> job where you don't make anything, don't have any benefits. You can get yourself a good union job. Um, and uh, yeah, we, or if you've got a good or if you've got a job, you know, you can talk to us about how to form a union in your workplace. So,
4: yeah, and you're talking about I mean, when we talk about good union jobs, we're talking about forty dollar an hour jobs. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, you know, these these. Uh, I'm not going to say any names, but we're not talking about these places that's going to give you $20, $22 an hour and work you to death. We're talking about $40 an hour plus good health benefits Mm -hmm. plus good 401K. We're talking about excellent jobs where you can make a living,
2: not just straight by. The IBEW, they have the Electrical Workers Union. Their health insurance is 100% employer sponsored. I believe
4: the iron workers are as well.
2: I believe they uh, yeah? both. Yeah. Maybe. I it believe. May be Jeb, I, I, Jeb will probably tweet at us whether or not. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. But
4: 100 uh, I mean who's heard of that? Who, 100% yeah.
2: paid. You don't even have, No, I don't, don't even have that. that. I don't have, I don't that. have that. But IBW I don't have I don't have that and I've got this, you know, I I've got this uh, uh, a uh, job that requires a college degree. I got. You know, I spent four years at university to get the job that I have. And folks that came out of high school and went into the IBW they've got 100% employer-sponsored health care. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like you don't have to have a college education. To have these, uh, to have a good union job. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it's going to be a lot of fun, and not everybody, you know, not everybody in the labor movement here in Huntsville's crazy lefties like me and David. You know, y'all we well, have. <laughs> here's the thing, and we do, we don't talk about it enough. But here's the thing,
4: is union jobs for for whatever you believe, whatever you know side of the political aisle you mm-hmm. may fall on, anything, all of that really don't matter. No, the what a union job will do is change generationally will mm-hmm. affect yours and your children's lives because yep. it puts money in your bank account. It helps pay for college. I mean, it's, if, you, if you are with an AFL-CIO-affiliated union, 100% paid for college for you, mm-hmm for your children, for your wife, or for your grandchildren. Who else does that? One hundred, I mean, think about that. How much does somebody spend on college right now? All you have to do is pay union dues, and and you, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, 100% paid for college education. That includes books. There's no money out of pocket whatsoever. That changes your family for generations Mm -hmm. to come.
2: And it, I mean, and this is working people supporting working people, and you don't, yeah, you know, you ain't got to sign a pledge saying you're gonna vote for Joe Biden. No, you, you ain't got to do, ain't got to do none, none, none of that. Yeah, none no, of that. No, no, no I mean, communist. No, no communist I mean. <laughs> manifesto pledge, as
4: as some would like to claim out there. I seen, I seen the guy attacking you oh, earlier yeah, in the week, it. and I just thought, man, these folks are really reaching.
2: Yeah, it's just like. Higher wages and better working conditions are really scary for some people. I guess.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, no. What what is scary, and know you know it as well as I do. But for the people out there driving in their cars today, what is scary is workers taking power in the workplace. Mm. That yeah. is what's scary to them. The the boss wants to maintain power, mm-hmm. regardless of of the good pay, the good benefits. The biggest thing that 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 owners and bosses are afraid of is losing power in the right. workplace because once they once they've you've taken some of that power away they don't know how to get it back they don't know mm-hmm. how to do anything unless they can
2: control you right
4: every day right in work and outside of work
1: right yep
2: yeah, that's exactly right uh they want control over you they want you to be a mindless drone um doing the work that they say they don't want you to think for themselves dumb enough
4: just to push the button
2: yeah and organizing will allow you to think for yourself. That's So that that's what it's all about. Folks, stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. But the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air.
0: WVNN. Depend on it.
1: Let's go! All
2: right, folks, welcome back to valley labor report my name is jacob morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator david story if you want to get on the line with us you can give us a call 1-866-494-9866 the number is 1-866-494-WVNN
4: we're having such a good time this morning man Man. i just
2: i feel good i feel good you know um uh yeah uh and, and and so the, the what we were talking about was we're going to have a show on November the 7th in the parking lot of the Steamfitters Union Hall in Madison. So you can yeah. Google, you know, Pipefitters and Steamfitters Union Hall in Madison, Alabama, and it'll get you the address. It's like 9740-9740 uh, yeah. Madison Boulevard. In it's Madison. on the
4: far west side. If you're coming through yeah. Madison... Uh, it's on the far west side like you're about to hit mm-hmm. hit uh five sixty five it'll be easy to yeah. find because we'll have our finally we'll get to use our uh, gigantic yeah, sign yeah, yeah. from the we got like a what is it eight or ten foot sign yeah think eight hopefully or, or
2: four by eight maybe yeah yeah
4: there'll be there should be several signs set mm-hmm. up out there at the edge of the road i'm I'm gonna bring the machinist union sign so yeah and we'll have plenty of good food and good camaraderie and we'll sit yeah. around and
2: enjoy good, each other's company. Good food, sisters and brothers hanging out, uh, talking about how you can have higher wages and better working conditions and um, and, and how you can make that happen. So it's, it's, it's going to be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be November 7th. We'll be out there at 9 o'clock. Um, so, uh, like I said, if you want to give us a call, one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. 494 9866 Another thing that I saw last week. Looked like this article came out uh, about eleven days ago now in the American Prospect. Um, it's kind of along the line. He, uh, uh, it's kind of along similar lines to yeah. Trump's NLRB, uh, you know, being super anti-worker. We can see the same thing with Trump's OSHA, yeah. the Occupational Safety and Hazard Administration, or uh, you know. Um,
4: and and something to consider when we're talking about <clears throat> Trumps and LRB, Trumps OSHA. Here's the thing: we're not attacking these things because they are specifically
2: Trump esque. Mm-hmm. He's just hear, the one that appointed yeah, it. Yeah, like I mean, he's the one that created, or he's the one that appointed all the people that are sitting here. So yeah, the like,
4: conservatives you know. say, you know. If your feelings, you know, the facts is what matters. And we're just pointing out the facts. I mean, this is just facts. Whether you want to admit it or not, they're easy to find if Mm -hmm. you go out there and look.
2: Yeah. So this is an article in the American Prospect called How OSHA Went AWOL During the Pandemic. And one of the facts that it points out is that OSHA reports it has received over 10 Thousand complaints from workers about lack of protections against the coronavirus. That is just about lack of protections against the coronavirus. Nothing else. Like this is these more than ten thousand complaints, only about the coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. Until um, this has only been in the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this we're is just on- talking about six months until early September. The agency out of these ten thousand complaints has issued citations to two employers. Yeah. Two. Two employ ten thousand complaints and two employers. Okay? That is insane. Do you know how many of these OSHA has even inspected? One hundred and ninety nine inspections in response to these complaints. Ten thousand complaints over. 199 inspections, two citations. And OSHA has already closed more than 8,500 of these cases without taking any action. No follow-up, no investigation. They're just saying, "We don't have the capacity to do this." And so we're not going to, and so you are on your own. Yeah. Let me, I, here's a quick story. It's something that, you know, you may be thinking,
4: that's not that big of a deal. Everybody's calling and complaining about this, about that, what have you. I was organizing some nurses in a city in Alabama. You know about this drive. Mm -hmm. Throughout the course of talking to these nurses, come to find out that the administration for this specific hospital was locking up PPE and issuing it at the beginning of each shift. Because they thought that some of the PPE was being stolen Taken home for personal use, what have you I get it, whatever But they were locking this PPE up Issuing it at the beginning of the shift This is during the, the pandemic One of the nurse's patients Actually, the heart stops of this patient hmm. She hasn't got, the, it's the beginning of her shift She hasn't got issued her PPE yet She runs in to start performing CPR on the patient. As she's compressing the chest, she's getting the the spewing from the lungs back up into her face because she don't have any PPE. A few weeks later, she gets the coronavirus. A few weeks after that, she passes away from the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. all because... The administration was locking up PPE. So when you think, well, these ain't that big of a deal, I'm telling you, these frontline workers are sacred. She sacrificed her life for the life Mm -hmm. of someone that she
2: didn't know. Right. And 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 stuff like that is isn't selflessly stuff like that would be much less likely to happen if you have a union in your workplace because these workers did not have a union. They did not have to be consulted about locking up PPE. They did not have to be consulted about changes made to their working conditions. The employer did it unilaterally and they could say, because this is an at-will employment state, the employer made the changes and they can just say, you don't like it, you can go F yourself. Go leave. You can leave. I can
4: tell you, our our negotiating team and our safety committee is weekly, Mm -hmm. weekly negotiating with the companies, and these are highly dynamic as the weeks go on and things change. Uh, We've gotten paid hotel rooms for employees where a family member may have tested positive and they want to continue to work. Mm -hmm. Okay, the company's paying for hotel rooms, so you don't have to be, and and it's, provide safety for everybody else out there on the floor. That's stuff yep. that's not going to happen in a non-union environment.
2: And and here's what, for folks that think unions are unnecessary, that unions inspire laziness, that unions destroy industries, why shouldn't employers, tell me, why shouldn't employers have to bargain with their employees over things that are life-threatening? Why shouldn't employers have to bargain in good faith with the people that work for them, the people that make the money, yeah. the people that do the work, the people that produce the value for the company, why shouldn't they have to be consulted for changes in the workplace that are going to affect not only their livelihoods, but their lives? And their families' lives. And their families' lives. And their friends' lives. Why and their consum- and yeah. the, 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 uh, the patients' and the customers' lives. Why shouldn't workers get a say? Why shouldn't they? Yeah. They should. They should is the answer. They. Sh- uh, and, and back to this. Uh, back back to the OSHA thing. The you know uh, with the where we can't, where workers don't have unions, where workers don't have the power to fight for themselves on these health and safety issues. Sometimes we rely on the government to step in, or or, or we can we hope. That the government will step in and protect workers where they don't have the power to protect themselves okay and so that's why this osha thing is important because most of america's workers do not have unions like david and i do they do not have the worker power on the shop floor to be able to fight for themselves and so they rely on other people to fight for them uh, uh, uh to fight for them and and so th- these things are important and so uh, the question may come up wow there were 10,000 complaints and only 199 of them were investigated and only two of two citations were issued that's crazy why did that happen the reason is because under the Trump administration less uh, the OSHA has less than 8 or, or less than 900 inspectors for the entirety of the United States that is insane that is that is loony that that is just that is crazy you should have you should have the number of ocean inspectors fell to just 862 for the entire united states by the end of last year Okay? Under Trump, the number of inspectors has been below 900 each year that he's been in office, a threshold that has never before been reached. There are less people inspecting for OSHA now than ever in the history of OSHA. With And, and these people are responsible for policing more than 8 million workplaces. Eight million workplaces are falling to 862 inspectors for OSHA. That's why uh, these these. That's why. Uh, all of these complaints are just falling through the cracks. That's why workers are not being protected is because the the Trump administration has allowed uh, these important institutions to just wither on the vine. And I've said this before, this was the Bannon plan. He said explicitly at the beginning of the Trump administration that his goal was the decimation of the administrative state and this is the administrative state. This, OSHA, the protecting workers' self, uh, uh, safety and health on the job—that is—that is part of the state that uh, the Trump administration has been out to destroy from the get-go, and, and
4: that—and that is why we constantly say you should not right. rely on the government to protect your rights. Right. It is the same same concept of the reason that you have second amendment rights is to protect your rights mm-hmm. under the freedom of association joining a union will help you protect the rights that you that we know the government is not going to protect right i mean that's that's the entire it, for every conservative out there that says unions are bad they are doing exactly what the free market Sets up for them to do and that mm-hmm. is they rely on them their own sales and their association with their other workers to protect the rights of, of each individual worker and not rely on the government. It mm-hmm. is as free market principle as it right. gets.
2: And that's, and and, you know, you've got libertarian and conservative members that say that, like that say, I don't, I don't want to have to rely on the government for my safety and my health and my pay. I want to be able to do it myself. And that's the, this unions are the way that you, that that you can do that without, and it's way more efficient than relying on the government because like, you know, like, look, if the people don't have a union I am for the government stepping in and uh, having safety and health requirements and, and wage requirements and, and stuff like that where workers don't have unions because I think it's it's better than nothing, okay? But, barely, 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 barely and uh, whenever you get anti-worker administrations in like we have currently, you can't rely on even these meager institutions that were built up before because they are allowed to wither on the vine. <clears throat> so the most effective way to protect your rights, to protect your life on the job is to organize, is to form a union in your workplace and fight with your brothers and sisters for better wages, working conditions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. negotiate, negotiate. I mean, right.
4: it's, it's the free market principles at work. You're negotiating your pay. You're negotiating your your working conditions. You're negotiating your health care. Right. You know, where else, where else can you get that? Right.
2: That's that's exactly right. Folks, if you want to give us a call, we've got one more segment. The phone number is 1-866-494-9866. Again, that number is one-eight six six-four nine four wvnn You are listening to the Valley Labor Report. Stay tuned.
0: To the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison.
2: The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on Patreon.com/slash/The Valley Labor Report. Again, that's Patreon.com/forward/slash/The. Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union, to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. But the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker & Jacobs at 855 617 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms.
0: WVNN
2: Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host, David Storey. We're here with you for with one, you for one segment. final segment. Um, can, David, maybe you could uh, just kind of walk through a little bit of the process. Like if somebody called you today and was like, I want to form a union with the Machinist Union... Yeah. I want to organize with the machinists union. What would what would happen, kind of from there?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, we've got several going right now uh, in the city, in in the local area. It's really uh, it sounds complicated, and I'll probably make it more complicated than it is. But it's really quite simple. Uh, if somebody calls us and says they want to start a union in their workplace, you know, we start a conversation, and we build that conversation around. Okay, why? What, what what are your concerns? Because you know, I've said it. I don't know if I've said it on here, but we talk about it a lot. You get the union that you deserve. You know, a lot of times uh, when we go in for an election, the the employer will say, "What in the world drove this? Why 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 are, why does everybody want a union?" Well, you, you get what you deserve if you treat people well, pay them well, listen to their concerns. It's rare that you're going to find. A group of employees that'll want a union, but when you treat them like crap, then mm-hmm. you get what you deserve. But the simple question is: uh, We talk about their concerns. What What is going on? Why Why do you want Why do you want a union? And are you the only one that wants it, or do you have a group of people that want it? And uh, we start having conversations. We, uh, at some point, if if it looks like there's some justifiable reasons of why they need a union in the workplace then uh, we start signing cards, which is, they call them A cards or authorization cards. And uh, that allows us to contact the NLRB and have an election. And once you have an election of 50% plus one vote to uh, form the union, then there it is. And we start sitting down and uh, put together committees for, for the workers to be able to negotiate their working conditions and wages. It's, it's fairly, it's a fairly simple process. It can be complicated because you need to have a majority of workers in your in your workplace support it, and it, it opens up a lot of conversations. Got somebody on the line?
2: Yeah, we've got John on the line. Can you bring him up, David? I hey. certainly can.
4: How's it going, John? Good, how you doing?
2: Good, good. Living the dream.
1: Hey, got a got a question for you. I, I've worked at a couple of places, and um, you know, there's been unions, and the issues I've always had with union is, you know, I'm a I'm a Christian, and they don't generally unions don't support right to life issues, or you know, traditional marriage and those types well, of issues.
4: Unions never take a stance on on a right to life issue ever. I can tell you that one hundred percent, but. uh there, You will never hear anyone as far as the union representative speaking for or against those type of issues. The The only thing that we speak for is for issues that, uh, that directly affect workers. Right. Yeah. It,
1: and, I mean, so I was in a, a UAW plant, and, and generally that was a lot of the people's concern was, You know, that the money that that you were paying in union dues were going to typically one party, and that party was always uh, in opposition to, you know, a lot of people. that's one of the
4: misconceptions that a lot of people have, is that union dues goes to fund political parties, but that is a misconception. It's It's (laughs) something that the right uses a lot because it stirs people up. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is the Department of Labor audits us consistently and Mm -hmm. we cannot give one penny of dues money to either the right or the left the the Republicans or the Democrats zero money can go to a candidate or a mm -hmm. political party.
2: Every dime that unions bring in in union dues is spent on (laughs) representing and advocate representing workers and advocating for issues uh the issues that affect workers it's a, it, they can't donate to candidates or their campaigns or to advocate for people to vote for this or this or that candidate
4: but that is a good question and i nobody's saying that you're lying we're just no, saying no, no. there's a lot of misinformation out there that people really they it's been said so it's like anything else you say it long enough people will begin to believe right. a lie and it's absolutely not true. I, I am the secretary treasurer for the state council of machinists that handles the money for all the machinists in the state of Alabama, and I have my books audited cons- twice a year consistently, yeah. and I have to account for every penny. and. I can promise you, if there's one penny that goes to a candidate of either political party, yeah, you're going. the IRS and the Department of Labor is going. They hold me personally responsible for those funds. I right. will be standing accountable for that. So, yeah, that's
1: uh, that's not going to happen. You know, what, I what, promise what you. What about that. the second? What about the Second Amendment? It just seems like all the candidates that unions ever endorse are always opposed to all those. Positions which are, you know, here are your the Alabama radio station, and and especially the working class tend, tend to those tend to be important issues for them. Yeah, and you know, it's the, the unions always endorsing wrong people, the wrong side. Yeah,
2: yeah. well, you're you're talking to two pro-gun pro two uh, A- supporters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pro, two, two pro-gun union folks right here. So you you know, and and uh, you know, we've got like we're not like carrying water for the Democratic Party here, we are, we've we got lots of critiques of the Democratic Party, of Joe Biden, et cetera. Et cetera. and in fact, I, I've been trying for weeks to get on a labor reporter who is also a very pro-gun uh, person and she wrote an article about Joe Biden's gun plan and how that, uh, how his it's gun terrible. plan is it's not terrible. good and how it's going to hurt uh, minority gun owners so, and and, yeah. and so you know, there, like there are, we have critiques of those issues but uh, what you know? What is it, your union dues don't go towards any candidate. Unions are going to endorse candidates, yes, but union dues are not going to go towards those campaigns. And when unions make endorsements, we make those endorsements based, based on, on how are these people going to affect our ability to bargain for better wages and working conditions on the job. Yeah, that's what we look at.
4: Yeah, I mean, you got to you have to look at it through the same perspective of unions the entire purpose of a union is to build the economic strength of the worker and that is the only they're not concerned about your rights to carry a gun they're not concerned about uh a female's rights to 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 choose or pro-life or uh any other that that comes from your church Mm -hmm. that that's if you want if you're worried about your second amendment rights then some people say that comes from the nra some people say that comes from the sra the union is simply there for workers rights. so when they make these endorsements they they make those endorsements based solely on workers rights issues the nra makes endorsements solely on second amendment issues and i would think that most of your churches make endorsements based on uh, they're they specific causes, so mm-hmm. you can't expect a union to cover all the causes of every worker. Because I've got tons of workers that I work with that are pro 2A. I would mm-hmm. say most of them. Mm-hmm. I've got tons of workers that may be pro-life or pro-choice, but mm-hmm. we're we're not concerned
2: about any of that.
1: Right. Those are those are wedge <laughs> issues. that the union make an endorsement? your union make an endorsement unions can make or endorsements
2: or... yeah but they can't force they, they can't force members to vote any which way if you you know uh, unions make endorsements based on who's going to be good for workers issues Who you think is going who, to be who you good. think but is going to be good you, and Who
1: do you endorse for president I, I, I it don't depends on one. It, it
2: depends on the it depends on the different unions. But a lot of unions have endorsed uh, Joe Biden. But we haven't. You know, we're not making any endorsements here. Uh, but uh, we are out of time, folks. Y'all got to call earlier. You got to call earlier. Everybody's calling into the last segment. We will see you next week on the Valley Labor Report.